The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome to this week's 442 Insider podcast. I'm publisher Andy Jackson and I'm joined this week. Uh, we've actually had a very, very good week, as I'm sure you've seen on our website. We managed to clean up at the Publishers Australia Awards on Friday, so without wishing to blow our own trumpet. <laughs> Again. Uh, best website of the year, best integrated media brand of the year, and the overall award. And uh, two of the gentlemen that have been fundamental in both of those awards, so I'm pleased to here with me today. Kevin Ayres and Aidan Norman, our web gurus. Gents, good morning. Hello. They're both looking a little bleary-eyed, having got up early for the Socceroos game this morning. Uh, I too got up early, got into the <laughs> office at 20 past six. Easy Simon, producer Simon's already laughing, in the office at 20 past six to watch it on Foxtel IQ to find out that our Foxtel connection had been uh, turned off two days ago uh, because we're sort of extending into the back of our office. So I was, took advantage of the fact that I was in the office at 20 past six fired off a few emails to my bosses uh, in the UK and here just to show how dedicated I am. But I didn't get to see a Socceroos game as a result and it, by the looks on these two guys' faces, it's a good job that I didn't. But we'll get to that. Uh, we're going to kick off by reviewing uh, A-League Round 14 from last weekend. Uh, kicked off on Friday night, which I did watch, although I don't remember Oh, we did too, it. didn't we? <laughs> After the awards, we all piled to Star City to watch Sydney versus the Gold Coast. I sort of remembered Joel Porter scoring because I got him to score at any point. But anyway, apparently Gold Coast uh, beat Sydney 3-1 with two goals from Joel Porter, a goal from Jason Kalina and a consolation goal from Bruno. Uh, Ado. Well, <laughs> you were with us. Do you remember any, much of this game? I saw a fuzzy screen above us at some point, but uh, no, actually, I watched the highlights. I think on Monday night, yeah. uh, Gold Coast were fantastic in the first half. Really blew them away. Yeah. I think they're two 0 up at half time. Um, Kazarin got a poacher's goal, uh, made it look slightly respectable. But Gold Coast, for me, it looked from what I'd seen on Friday night, from the little that we saw and, and highlights, that they were well above. Sydney in, in pretty much every aspect of the well, game. We've been talking on here regularly about Gold Coast's lack of goals um, post smelts and the difference yeah. in the side between you know the free scoring Gold Coast of last year and the sort of let's go out, let's not concede first safety first Gold Coast of this year. I guess it looks like Kev, what you need if you're struggling for goals is a game against Sydney. Yeah, I mean, it's they're, they're being very pragmatic, Gold Coast. You know, they're they're uh, playing for goals when they're at home and playing carefully when they're away which is good, and Sydney's defence is absolutely awful, obviously, uh, and has been the whole reason that they're in the position they are. But the interesting thing, I think, still with Sydney is the fact that Bruno Casarin is equal top scorer in the mm. A-League. Yeah, in a, uh, in a very poor side. Yeah, and you know, in his debut season with a new club, uh, I think that's pretty impressive for him, especially given his record. I mean, I'd written him off as a journeyman that uh, wasn't going to be any use whatsoever. He's just going to be a squad filler. Uh, but he's decided to shine. But I think Gold Coast have really bounced back well from losing smelts. Kalina's really stepped up. Joel Porter's stepped up uh, on Friday night. And mm. they're a good outfit. They're a yeah, very a bit, good outfit. Bit of a glimpse of what we thought we were getting with Joel Porter. And, and I guess last season he played more of that link role. Mm. 
to smelts and, and did very well. But mm. yeah, we, we, we expected goals from him when he came back, and maybe this is uh, and it, it's yeah, int- fit again. Hopefully, he's going to go on a bit of a spree. It's interesting when you look at the goal scorers. I mean, like the last couple of seasons, we've had Smeltsy and Archie, and now this season we've got like a. It's a really open field. I, I mean, you've got Fifey up there. Yeah, we've got three. Yeah, uh, it's amazing. Three in the top goal yeah. scorers, which, you know, normally at this time of the year, halfway through the season, somebody's le- running away yeah. with it by themselves yeah. a long way ahead. Yeah, the smelt's sort of... And it really is it's spread across a, a wide area. It's we've got, we've got Costa Barbarousis on six, Bruno Casarine on six, Serge Van Dyke on six, Robbie Fowler and Robbie Cruz on five apiece. So mm. considering Robbie Fowler's been been out in and out. I five. mean, Fowler's had a bad season, but yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll hat get, trick, hat trick in one game. Yeah, we'll get on to him. The second game of the weekend uh, was over the ditch, and uh, we, we and Trev disagreed on this last week. I thought that Wellington would bounce back, and uh, mm. from their first uh, reverse at Wellington, uh, Trev thought that you know what often happens is when you lose a record, you go into a little bit of a dip, and it takes you a while to get back. That was how it turned out. Central Coast Mariners uh, dominated, really. Played very well. Two goals from Josh Rose and a, and a couple of goals in the last 10 minutes. Adam Kwasnick finishing off the scoring. Uh, not what you expect from Wellington at home. Isn't this the team that wins at home and loses away now? Yeah. They're <laughs> winning away and losing at home. Um, I guess the difference might be that the coach of the Mariners now has a pro licence, as uh, Hamburger pointed out to me the other night. Um, Fantastic yeah, performance. I think Mariners are a completely changed outfit this year and uh, deserve a lot of credit. For they play attractive football. Uh, they play good attacking football. They're getting the results. Uh, and, you know, winning against Wellington in Wellington just goes to show how well they are doing. I'm sure Phoenix probably wish they were playing Sydney that weekend. Yeah. And, uh, I say, Perez obviously has shown flashes, but he's only, he's only played, featured in two or three games. Yeah. It's three games. And um, Amini's dropped dropped into that sort of playmaker role. Well, like Harmony is his now apparently called. Harmony. <laughs> <laughs> Harmony. Uh, but Safra Amini came back obviously full of confidence from Harmony. the uh, from the under 19s and uh, has done very well. He looks perfectly at home. Yeah, he's only a, he's only a kid, but he just stepped in. Um, we, we've been huge fans of his, his from pretty much day one when we saw him. You know, he's got a great look. Yeah. He's a sweet kid. He really is. He's got an interesting background. He's, his mum and dad uh, you know, met in a, a refugee hostel in Sydney. Uh, mum or dad's from uh, Guatemala or, or uh, Venezuela or somewhere like that. And the other one's from Afghanistan. So, um, great kid. It's funny because you see him on the, you see the, 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 the TV angle from a distance and, he, and he's in the centre midfield yeah. pulling the strings and then the ball goes out and it focuses on him <laughs> and it's just us, this little schoolboy you know, <laughs> this looks, you know, this, his physicality from a distance looks totally different to his, his little boyish face yeah. when, and when you see him training up against Ross Griffiths who's huge and he gets stuck right in I mean it's yeah. great to see great. you know it's interesting you know that uh, Mariners Adelaide and uh, Roar all have very young sides they're giving youth a chance yeah uh, and it's the sides that are sticking with the tried and trusted that are struggling. And more. also, you know what, what we are seeing from those sides as well. I think Raw's got a decent stat that they were, they're scoring late goals. Yeah, you know, yeah. look at that. They put the game out of out of reach in the last ten minutes. You know, yeah. and often they where we've seen teams peg back. You know, Raw go on and score. You know, and we've seen Raw come back to win again. They did it last night. We'll talk about that. Yeah, but it's that ability. I think through that fitness that they're, they're still in the game in the last ten minutes. Uh, Newcastle uh, again probably an unexpected uh, result here Newcastle beat Adelaide 3-1 uh, 
Nikolai Topostanley, first goal in six seasons. Uh, Marco Jesic bagged a couple. Uh, Ian, Ian Fife on a rich score in vain. Uh, got a consolation goal for Adelaide. But this was Jets' first time back at Energy Australia Stadium for a while. Um, and they didn't disappoint. No, it was a special night. Yeah, Franny Jeffers made a really good yeah. Uh, yeah. debut. Jessic clearly looks like he's comfortable working with an experienced striker up front. And looks healthy at last as well. Oh, yeah. And he, we've, we forget how good Jessic was a couple of years yeah. ago. Um, so it's great to see the pitch. Well, what can you say about the pitch? Diabolical. It's just unbelievable. It's They run out of turf. <laughs> it's just what? The most Do you not like... So, hang on, how many square metres do we need? It's like... <laughs> I just, I just couldn't believe that when they said that. I mean, it looked a little better last night, but not much better. Oh, it's, I mean, it's I mean, just LA Galaxy are going to turn up midweek and look at that and go, what on, What is this about? I know. It's just... It's um, so is this an uh, opportunity now for the Jets to sort of kick on? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think so. I mean, I think, you know, they're, they're gelling together more. I think they're a bit more confident. Uh, they know the, uh, the body of the squad's... Uh, is going to be, but they've also they're also on, a, on warning from Colleen and the Jets because 16 of them, seasons uh, the contracts up at the end of the season, yeah. So they're literally playing for the the futures, uh, and I think that's finally been ingrained into them after Branca's little power play with Casey and uh, mm. Lubo. Uh, it was interesting to see Lubo get the that captain's armband. Yeah, and how well did he that. play last night? By the way, yeah. out his skin. Yeah, yeah, it was superb. And a big hello to Lubo. Yeah. Does he listen? Yes, he does. Excellent. Lubo, <laughs> well played last night, mate. Nice to know you're listening. Uh, Kev, you went up there and met Franny Jeffers before he kicked the ball when he was out here trialling. What, what did you make of him? Was he, was he confident in his fitness? And well, to be honest, Ed, I was doing more of the talking to him. To, uh, I was doing the pictures that yeah, day. Yeah, we had yeah. A, a very interesting day that day in Newcastle where we, there's a, a whole lot of things happened. But the interview itself, <laughs> um, he's a very down-to-worth guy. Uh, he's come at a very unusual time with... You know, games being cancelled and pitches being yeah. ripped up, and so you know his view of the game in this country is quite skewed. <laughs> and he, we had a good laugh about it. Um, he just wants to play football. Um, you know, like you said, you know, he wants. Uh, he felt that he'd sort of gone stale in England. That's that's the message that he's given to us, and and uh, it looks like he's enjoying his football again. Oh, he's there for ten games, isn't he? So I oh. guess there's a, a, a the Jets. Full? Is their roster full? Have they got the option to extend that? I think they have got the option to extend it. Uh, I actually met Jutz at Seamus for a coffee two weeks later. Have they got room in the salary cap to extend it? Because uh, the guest stint is outside the salary cap, isn't it? It is, but uh, they, uh, yeah, they've got the foreign marquee at the moment with Mark Michael Bridges, haven't they? Uh, so yeah, they're, they're going to be struggling, I think, to. But having said that, they probably don't have any of the endorsement fees or anything like that, so they could probably come to some arrangement yeah. to get it going to the end mm. of the year. Well, I guess the other option is, is if he keeps on playing in this manner and he's fit and firing, is another team could pick him up. I've got room within the Absolutely, camp. but I think based on what we've seen of him in the last two games, Jets will want to hold on to him. Uh, I mean, he's, he's been real mm. classic. And I think Bridges time. is key to this. He's very tight with Bridges, and Bridges has really helped. And he, I can imagine them two up front working together really yeah, that's well. That's what I was about to say. I mean, can you how imagine far that? away is Bridges, do we think? Mm. I think it's six weeks. Officially, it's six weeks. Might be a little bit longer. But like England on the 21s, 1999, we're reunited. And I and I think just just going on. I think the top four is pretty certain. I think I know who's going to finish in the top four. Those other two spots, five and six, I still think are open. Yeah. You never know with the Jets. Yeah. 
I think um, it's anybody's uh, yeah. for those other two spots. And Adelaide, a bit of a mini slump from them. Yeah, yeah I think you know they've been doing so well and they've been in the spotlight for so long. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, if they once they get everybody fit and healthy again, uh, they are a good team. You know, they've got a lot of good players there. Uh, what they always liked last season, Sergio Van Dijk, kind of striker. They've got one. Mm. Uh, as long as uh, Flores stays fit and healthy, they can get Lecky back in. You know, yeah, I mean, Lecky was a huge loss for the, yeah, I mean, for the run to the finals. Yeah. Then, yeah, I think they might. They should be okay. They, they've you know stretched away from the lower reaches of the, the ladder so much that they're going to make the finals anyway. They uh, should be top four, you think? Yeah, you would think yeah. so. Yeah. Okay, um, Melbourne Heart, probably the probably the game of the round, oh. I'd say. Um, probably one of the games of this season or any season yeah. uh, Amy Park Brisbane Raw came from behind uh, f- following an early Gerald Seabon goal um, to win 2-1 Costa Barbarousis and then uh, a late goal from Solazano to win it good crowd 7,000 crowd steadily building there you get, mm. I sort of feel the heart are really sort of you know, going about things the right way they're, they're solid off the pitch they're building on the pitch um, what do we make of the game? If this is what the league is in season six, then we should be congratulated because I thought it was absolutely superb mm. in, in almost every aspect. Yep. And Raw played their part, Hart played their part, fantastic stadium. I mean, that stadium has actually hosted some cracking games this season. They're very lucky down there. Yeah. Well, it's got a great pitch as well, I and mean, apart from anything else. So it, it you know, lends itself to good play, it lends itself to the ball going on the ground uh, instead of the long ball. That, you How know. good is Raw? And we're oh, just geez. unstoppable. It's just wonderful to see. Yeah. It's as good as any football, club football I've seen. You know, yeah. uh, not just A League or NSL or whatever. It's it's very very good football. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's yeah, we're lucky. What do you think, Jack? More of that. Yeah, I, I just enjoy watching them play. I just think yeah. it's, it's quality. I mean, I, I thought last night, and we were talking about that last night. I did think that they showed how important Matt Mackay is to to mm. things. I think he is the guy that pulls the strings and holds it together and keeps their shape and I thought at times last night they showed how much they missed him there was a few balls being played inside almost without looking you know that because they instinctively expect him to be there working that little sort of square in the middle of the pitch and when yeah. he wasn't things were breaking down they were giving the ball away a lot with, with little balls inside but I think like you say though it's a reliance on him uh, being there and it's, it's they've grown accustomed to him being there mm. I think if they had to do without him somebody else would step up and fill that role adequately yeah they're, they're too good a unit they, they work so well as a unit that one player one individual doesn't define them I mm. think I, yeah, I think I think it would take them a couple of games to get used to the new player oh the yeah position, absolutely I think mm. last yeah. night they definitely showed uh, the last game around was uh, Robbie Fowler 3 Melbourne victory 1 uh, came back into the side in the best way possible really uh, penalty, soft penalty, awful penalty, but got the second bite of the cherry. Then didn't look back. Uh, good finish with his right foot. Yeah, it's like it didn't, it doesn't look it. But I always think one of the things of a striker, if it's with his weaker foot, is not to try and hit it too hard mm-hmm. and just get it on target. That's what he did. And a quality finish for the third one. You know, mm-hmm. just didn't panic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deganzic got a consolation goal back. Um, is this enough to sort of kickstart glory again? Is this enough to get him out of the slump? I don't think it is, to be honest. Uh, I think you know the, the, f- the football they're playing is kind of getting left behind. Th- no, the, the standard has gone up 
by a huge scale this season. Uh, they do have the manpower there. They don't have the, the tactic strategy. And firepower and passion isn't going to be enough for them. I think, um, you know, Robbie Fowler showed that he can rip up this league, given yeah. the chance. Uh, and if he can continue to do that, then yes, Perth Glory can push on and uh, make the finals and, you know, you maybe even challenge for the title if they were to can do it consistently. Mm. But I just don't think Robbie Fowler can do that for... Well, I mean, the first thing he's got to be is on the pitch. Yeah. You know, he's not, he's not going to score goals sat on the bench. Yep. You know, and, and again, it's the same issue with Ferguson last year. For me, if you're going to pay that guy a million dollars a year and he is the marquee, arguably for the whole league, you could question whether he's been used adequately by the FFA in that role, whether he, whether he wants to do that role. But but my view is, you build your squad, you build your team around him. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, don't bother. Don't bother. Yeah. You know, and you play him as an out and out striker. You know. Don't I don't want him dropping. If I was his man, I wouldn't want him dropping back at all. Just play as a striker with another striker and let the boys work around him. Mm. Never drop back. But uh, also should also say uh, Howard Fondike won Kevin Musket Neil. That's uh, something very interesting for the <laughs> future. <laughs> Big ups to you, Howard. But I tell you what, I wouldn't want to be in your boots, mate. That does. you watching himself in the next round. Uh, but but I thought Muskie took it in quite good humour. He did. Yeah. He just got up, dusted yeah. himself down, and got on with it. He yeah. probably thought, "Yeah, mate." Well, I've done my give you the give you the free one from behind. See how, see how you Next are when time. it's fifty-fifty yeah. and we're coming full on at each other. But anyway, okay, that left the table looking like Brisbane Raw top on thirty-two points, Adelaide second on twenty-eight, Mariners uh, third on twenty-four. However, they've got three games in hand, so the Mariners, if they win those three games, uh, will be a point clear. Uh, at the bottom, North Queensland 10 points, Sydney 11 points, the Jets 11 points. However, Sydney FC are, are probably in the worst position because uh, they've played two games more than the Jets and a game more than Fury. So uh, Sydney, Sydney's still not off the bottom. Uh, that's all we've got time for in Section 1. We'll be back in Section 2 to pick the bones out of the Socceroos' performance this morning, or rather Aidan and Kevin will, because as we've talked about, I didn't see it. So uh, <laughs> join us after this break. The new issue of 442 is on sale now, with Andres Iniesta and David Villa taking you behind the scenes at Barcelona. We talk schnitzels with new Socceroos coach Holger Osik and snails with Archie Thompson, who tackles your questions. We look at which Aussie clubs have produced the most Socceroos. Head to the First A-League Melbourne derby and speak to Chelsea supremo Carlo Ancelotti. Plus, there's a free pack of official Champions League trading cards for every reader thanks to Panini. Get it now. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. Uh, we're going to turn our heads now to the international game. And this morning, Egypt... Ran out pretty comfortable winners against Socceroos 3 0. Um, I have seen the goals, um, so I think the first one, second, good second goal, great, but great ball mm. inside the fullback, good crossing, bit of a soft penalty, but anyway, lads, what do we think of it? Where, is it, where does this leave us? Is it 50 days out from the Asian Cup, I think? I think we're certainly none the wiser as to what our best living is at the moment. Uh, it was a shocking performance, it really was. I mean, I don't think there was anybody that actually played well. Kalina was probably less bad than everybody else. But, you know, everybody, almost from front to back, Schwarzer up to Holman, even Tim Cahill, they all had bad games. Every single one of them. Nobody passes were going wayward. People were being lazy. It was sloppy play. Nobody was coming back properly. It was just one of the most inept performances I've seen from uh, Socceroos in probably 10 years. 
you know, we got beaten by Germany because they steamrollers because they were extremely good. Uh, but this was worse, worse than, than Iraq. Yeah. Cup. Yep. I would okay. think it probably was. That's pretty bad. I was there and that was awful. Yeah. Ado, any, any positives from this or was it just a really bad day at the office for everyone concerned? I don't know whether it's because I've got three hours sleep but um, I'm struggling to find positives. Look, Sasha played. He was solid. He came off after 65 or 70 minutes, yeah. I guess. He was solid um, and he, he is an option for, for the future. I don't know whether he is the, the absolute option but he is an option. I'm still not convinced that Timmy Cale is a, an out-and-out striker with Scott McDonald. Yep. I think he should be playing deeper, doing what he does best. Yep. We did ask Holger, Holger about this about two weeks ago when he announced the yep. squad, and he said, "Look, he, that's the way he plays at club level, and that's how I'm going to play him." I, I think most I don't people. I he does, to be honest. Yeah, I, look, I just don't. I think, <laughs> I think he big, plays deep with the club too. Yeah, but also um, Egypt, fair play to them. They were well up for this big, strong side. I mean, they are some. Well, big I mean, let's put this in perspective. You know, they yeah, are tenth in the world. Oh, tenth right? in the world, world. African champions. African champions at I'm home. Not taking anything away from yeah. them, they played extremely well. Yeah. It was a very uh, disciplined, efficient, well-organized uh, unit that we up, came up against, mm. and you know they. And you can they see why they they've been unbeaten in 14 games at home. Although apparently they were they've had some dodgy results lately, but. Mm. Good no, side. very good side. No, yeah. no question of that. They clearly deserve to win, and even on our best, we really would have been pushed to get a result against them. Mm. But the downside, from our perspective, was the, just the poor effort that went in from mm. our side, and whether it was just you know the lack of uh, time beforehand to to gel, to coach, uh, to come together. They all flew in virtually the day before the match, yeah. upset by the Egyptian uh, training regime, uh, and obviously unsettled them. But you know, David Carney just refused to run back properly and defend. He's not a defender, he's a winger. Right, I've been saying this for a while, I've got major question marks over Carney at left back. Not as a player, but as a left back. Absolutely. You know, I yeah. don't think he's a left back. And no. there was there was no other option in that squad. No. Again. You, you know, know I mean, it's almost like Stefan Uto, for me, needs to be in that squad. He's an out and out left back. There is needs it, to be more options. It's a specialist position. Actually, you know, it's you know, it's one of the most specialist positions on the pitch. Yep. Full back. The ability to see you know, to judge that moment yeah. when to go forward, when to commit, when to shuffle across and get behind your, your centre yeah. backs. Yeah. And I don't think it's a position that someone can play sort of, you know, in and out, particularly mm. not a yeah, you might get away with it in qualify and you might get but when like when you play a top ten team in the world or when you play Germany Horribly exposed. You know, they'll pull you apart. Yeah, so, and he yeah. you know, it's a mental thing from him as well. He needs to actually when you lose the ball on your left back, you need to come back and defend. It's your job. You don't just turn around and watch it happen. Uh, and watch the, the game run away from you. Quick quick pose for you. Given given the challenges that, that we talked about, you know, and this this is something that happens every time Australia play, you know, even if when they play in Australia Everyone's flying in from all over the place, short lead times, no times with the squad. Do we think that's why Pim took the approach that he did? That he was like, right, I'm going to put this really rigid system in place that everyone understands it's going to be safety first because what, what it means is that when they turn up, they know what they've got to do. Is they've just got to get over the flight, go on a pitch, and, and it is a bit more defensive. Are we seeing the dangers of a slightly more open system in the fact that we probably are going to cop a couple, couple more hidings than we did under Pim? Yeah, uh, that was my exact yeah. thought actually during the game that you know you could see the difference where Pim would have been very careful, cautious, and defensive. Five in midfield. Yeah, and two it would holding have been midfielders. You know, but, and a specialist but do, do, do we need to accept that in order for us to move forward? In order for us to potentially go and win the Asian Cup? 
I we we need to accept that against good teams, we we're just as likely to get to cop three 0 whereas we might have lost what nil nil no, out of it. Or you know, or I think I think nil. up against good teams, we c- we can adopt the PIM system. You know, against Egypt, it would have been sensible to do four two three one whatever. Um, but when we're up against minor teams or at home. Uh, we need to be more aggressive, and that's what Pim didn't do, yep. and that's what Holger can do. Mm. We need a compromise between the two, and you know it's all very well going all out attack against Egypt, but if mm. you're just going to get horribly exposed, there's no reason for it. But I think yeah. also, I mean, you can play systems to the. I mean, you're a coach, Jackie. You can play different systems, but if the players aren't up for it, you know, it's very difficult to. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, any two system. ways you approach it is you either have a flex, you're you're either flexible and you, you pick the system to suit the players for each game, and obviously that changes in international football, or you take Pim's approach, which is I play this system and the players that I'm going to pick have to fall, have to conform to this. And I think that know. system works in our context because of these strange time zones that we play in, these short lead-ins. I think it worked perfectly. It, it wasn't ideal to have him at the World Cup, let's face it, but he was perf- the perfect man to get us to the World Cup. Yeah, that's okay. right. I think the, the disappointing thing about this morning as well was the lack of youth options off the bench. Um, I mean, there was injuries, there was uh, club issues as well, but the game really needed more youth, and there is this whole general reticence amongst the Australian uh, coaching management people, not just now, but also with Pim as well, to not develop youth in the, the senior team to not bring youth on uh, I think we re, you know we look at the A-League and the teams that are doing the best are the youthful teams they can shine on a senior level Yeah. Uh, well, we, we did ask Holger this question and, and, and his answer was well these players need to develop to a certain level before they get there what we're saying is a Tommy Orr last night in the last 20 minutes would have come in and probably done pretty well I yeah. think yeah. You know, why not yeah Give them experience. He's actually good enough. Not rely on them to, you know, as a front line of attack, but yeah. bring them on something new, something fresh, something to mix things up. Uh, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But you mm. know, it wasn't working anyway. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, th- I mean, this this is it, man. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. The next game is the warm up um, against the UAE on the fifth of January. So after the squad's been named, so that was his last chance. Mm. Um, and then so thinking about that, I mean, do we? Do we think that Ognanovsky will be in the Asian Cup squad? I, I want him in there, to be honest. I, I actually think he's probably still our best option as uh, the, the front-line defence with Lucas. Yeah. I like... He was caught out for the first goal, uh, but generally speaking, it's good to have an intimidating defender, and he is an intimidating defender. Mm. He also gives you uh, the option of a goal at the other end mm. and set pieces. More than we have with any of the other. We're also playing against that. That's what I was going to say. That's a so nice, exactly. that's a handy a, little angle. From a sort of the insight deep. that he offers yeah. in Asia yeah. is great too. I think it, he and Lucas should be our front line for the for this match. I think we should probably say goodbye to him. Yeah, again after the the Asian Cup. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, but I think he would be very very useful for us for the Asian Cup. Mm. And he needs more. Just needs more time to gel with Lucas properly. Well, that's the first game. Mm. And Ado talking about youth. Do we think that there's going to be any of the the young players that are taken, to the, or, or is this, you know, or are we going to see a, another pragmatic, you know, Holger is going to go there to win it, we're going to pretty much be able to name the squad now? Well, I mean, these are the questions we asked him just before he announced the squad, and uh, it doesn't look like he's going to do that. It, it looks like this is going to be pretty much the squad he's going. He believes experience like this will win the Asian Cup. That's his view, um, rather than perhaps, I mean, perhaps Leckie was a, an option, we don't know, but. Uh, we asked him that question and he appears to be 
what we saw last night appears to be the approach, which is the experienced players will get us through. Um, but, you know, I think we're wasting slots with people like Rich Garcia. Uh, you know, mm. nice really guy. Nice guy, you know, but... Jesus, there must be somebody that's equally as good, if not better, than that in amongst the youth team. But I, I also and think if, if he's you know. not going to, if he's not playing Pims four two three one, we have got a squad that still remains overstacked with mm. defensive midfielders. Yeah. Mm. You know, yeah. And, and if he's not mm. going to be playing that, we mm. are going to be playing more expansive. Then mm. I'd like to see more attacking midfield. So not necessarily attacking midfield. So I think Holman's there, but I'd like to see Matt McKay go. Yeah. Mm. Because he's in form. He's yeah, and that short passing aim, the link between defence and attack. I'd, I'd like to see him go at the expense of a, even if it is at the expense of a Yedinak or a Valeri, because yeah. I think I don't think we need both of them. No, mm. we don't. Mm. No. Yeah. And I think it would be great. We've got some great young strikers: Karen Bullock, Golden Boot winner at the nineteens, Matthew uh, um, Fletcher, mm-hmm. is somebody that is highly rated. Uh, he's very much in the Viduka style, big strong striker, and of course, um, you know Tommy Orr. I mean, yeah. yeah. Why isn't Tommy Orr in the squad? Mm. You know, I'm just I'm just baffled. Yeah. Okay. Well, probably more questions and answers from uh, from today's game. Uh, as we said, I think it's 50 days till the Asian Cup uh, until Australia kick off on the 10th of January against India, which should be a, a comfortable opening game. But then you'd probably say that the tougher games are to follow with South Korea and Bahrain. Uh, so obviously we'll be discussing uh, the build up to that more and more as uh, as it gets closer. So. That's all for section two. We'll be back to have a look at some of uh, the news stories that have been making headlines on our site, AU, award-winning site, au.442.com, after this break. Visit Football Emporium on www.footballemporium.biz to see the largest selection of football merchandise and memorabilia in Australia. A real football shopping experience. Or why not pop in and visit them directly at 139 Victoria Road, Dremoyne. Or simply call them on 1300-4-GOALS to find out what's new in the football world. Back to 442 Insider. Hello and welcome back to the 442 Insider podcast. We're going to be looking at some of the main stories this week on our website, au.442.com, with the guys that make the stories. Uh, or write about the stories. Sometimes they make them. Friday night we were making a few headlines at Star City, but... Uh, one of the in the lead up to the Socceroos game uh, and the international friendlies this week, one of the stories that was making headlines all over the place was uh, the capping or non-capping of uh, Ersan Gulam. Now, what's our take on this, guys? You know, with a, with a country as multinational as Australia, this is going to become. It's always been an issue. It's going to be an issue in the future. Where, where do you stand on this? You know, should we be proactive and going out and, and capping these guys to lock them in, or ultimately should we let them choose? Well, you know, I think we did cap him. You know, we capped him at youth level. Uh, he played a couple of games for the the, the Oli Roos on the way to uh, Beijing, and uh, by all accounts, I remember when his, his name first appeared actually in the squads. Everybody in the dog said, "Who?" Uh, and then he disappeared again. Uh, it seems he didn't really impress Arnie that much uh, and just fell off the radar. Now, the problem then was that we had qualified for the World Cup uh, and he wasn't in the running. He was too young, he was too inexperienced, he was playing at a lower league in Turkey, so he got passed over for the World Cup quite rightly. Then we changed managers and suddenly he decides that he wants to be part of the, uh, the squad and tries to force his way in in t- way too short a time frame. And it's not fair. It's not fair on 
uh, Holger to say that we should have been pursuing him any f- more than we should have done. The other, pers- uh, the other side to that is that Turkey lost Mesut Ozil to Germany in exactly the same circumstances. That was a, a, a young guy born in Germany to Turkish parents, brought up in Germany, but would have qualified for Turkey. He went to the World Cup with Germany and set the, the World Cup on fire. Turkish authorities saw that and thought, right, we're not going to let that happen again. Yeah. Scoured the world for uh, anybody that uh, might be eligible, and he was one of the ones that they found. Uh, and you can't blame them for trying to snap him up either. Yeah. But he didn't play last night. I mean, obviously, the purest view is you know, if you want to play for Australia, you want to play for Australia, and, if, you know, and you'll bide your time. and you know, and not try and angle it via the press or whatever as he was doing and you know, I mean that that's the purest, but are we potentially then leaving ourselves open for being a little bit naive? Because as you say, Turkey have gone right, who who's who else? Who's eligible? Let's go and lock him in. Mm. Ada, what do you think we should do? Well firstly the sad thing is that we could really use a specialist left back. Well yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, this morning we're saying you know if he played this morning uh you don't know what would have happened. It would have been interesting to see a specialist left back play. Then I'd like to see a specialist left back. Um, I think I think I want to step back and and just remember that this player has only just broken into the Bishop just team. Six games so let's not mm-hmm. let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. I mean, uh, you know, maybe at the end of the season when he's had a great season, maybe we can say, well, you know, this player, you know, is a decent prospect. But I think it's a bit early to be talking about him as being a. Re- I mean, did he actually get on the pitch? This morning, no, he didn't. So he's not. He, he wasn't even on the bench. Right. The so end. he's not actually. He's still not capped. He's still available. Person, come us. back, son. We need you. So back. it's not dead yet. No. Oh, look. You know, I think we should be in Asian touch with cup. him. No, yeah, we <laughs> should definitely be in touch with him. We should be getting him into camp. I think we should text that. him and say, Erson, how'd you go the other night? Just, just saying hello. Yeah. FFA. Well, yeah, there you go. It. So he's still, still not dead in the water. <laughs> um, other big news this week, obviously, was the uh, well, the. The top line, the, the executive summary of the technical bid, technical reports on the World Cup bids was uh, was released. Um, mixed bags for all of the bidders, you'd say. I, I don't think there was anyone that came out of it completely clear. But as, as I sort of said on Twitter yesterday, no real surprises in the, the sort of you know the bad points of Australia's bid, which was the size of the country and its proximity to Europe. Um, no real surprises there, and I, and I think obviously that's always going to be a downside of any Asian bid, as it as it was brought up in South Korea's bid and Japan's bid. What do we think? I mean, are we any clearer, or is it just as well, you know the uh, the consensus from around the world, from you know other people looking at it from around the world, is Australia were one of the big winners uh, from the evaluation report. Australia and England came out probably best of all, uh, and. I think rather than necessarily strengthening, showing our strengths off, it merely highlighted the weaknesses of her rivals. Uh, I think Qatar will be lucky to last the week uh, after they've got such a a damning indictment in their report. Uh, The joint bids seem to be knocked out of contention as well. Japan and Korea, the Korea thing seemed to appeal to them because of incorporating North Korea into one. And also there there is this... Yeah, you never forget the political side of things. Oh, absolutely. With the Korean yeah. guy who's looking to potentially challenge Seth Blatter. Yeah. Would that be a, here's the World Cup, please don't challenge me? <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just don't. <laughs> never, never. Nothing would surprise me where FIFA is concerned. Well, uh, That's, it's, the, it's the X factor that, you know, overrides everything. It doesn't matter how 
good the bid is, at the end of the day, there'll be some reason for it that's not actually related to football. I yeah. suspect. Well, I, I know another big step of this is obviously the, the the ethics committee is is meeting as we speak or reporting as we speak to the executive committee. There's a there's a press conference on Friday. There's an extraordinary general meeting of the executive committee, and that's where we find out the fates of the two members of the Exco committee that have been suspended. Obviously, there's a massive implication for Australia. So there's one of them's from uh, Oceania, which which is probably the one vote we're guaranteed yeah. uh, because we don't actually have anyone on the executive committee. And I think was it nine of the other were the only nine of the other bidders do or something? Every, one of, yeah. every other one every other one's one's actually got one. got one guaranteed vote from themselves yeah so what, what's our mail on this I mean I, I've heard I've heard differing reports in the say, press I, I, both, some of you I've heard that sides. Oceani was going to be back in but the the, um, the African guy was not then, but then I've heard they're both out so yeah I, I mean I, you know uh, Tamari was supposed to be getting off scot-free yeah so Oceania has a very uh, checkered history with FIFA. I don't know. I kind of wonder why they. What? The, they must have. What the heck goes on down there? I mean, there was the Charlie Dempsey. I don't know whether you remember the Charlie yeah, Dempsey. Yeah, he was the abstained, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. At the last minute, he was in the glare of the spotlight. This little Scottish fella. He was about 70 years old. You know, very much old school. Um, I think I, only if, if Kevin and I were, were based in Zurich and Europe and we could really work the inside track, could we really know what's going on here? Yeah. Where you know it's really hard to tell because there's conflicting reports, as you say, and only if we were based over there could we give a, a clear indication with insiders talking mm. to us. Yangling for a common, so uh, say. I should be, I should have you in Zurich for the next. Well, week. I'm supposed to go to Newcastle soon, but could I go to Zurich and said, yeah, it's, yeah, it's fine. You do it for under 250 bucks. Yeah, I can do that. A yeah. league stops for no man. No. <laughs> All right. So what, what do we think? Come on, gut feel. Two weeks out. Two weeks today. <sighs> We will have gotten up at what? 2 in the morning or stayed up. 20 minutes later, hopefully, we'll know. I think we're actually better than 50-50 now. Okay. Ado? After listening to Frank Lowy at the business luncheon and listening to Hamburger this week, both pessimistic views of perhaps the, the bid, I don't know, I'm feeling a little less than 50 now. The one thing that does concern me is that there's not going to be an FFA live site uh, for, the, for the no there is not there going to be an FFA live site for the announcement that if they truly were confident I can't help but feel they would have one so are there live sites in England I don't know well it's, it's, who's, who's got it's, one of the, it's one of those things where there tends to be for the Olympics because like remember everyone was in Trafalgar Square but I sort of think I was thinking about that and I think the reason is that even though the Olympics is only one city, it does touch a lot more different and, and wide-ranging communities, you know, from fencing down to show jumping to athletics. So I think that there's more of a, an interest in, in whether it, whereas the, the, the World Cup, as, as big an event as it is, is one sport. Mm. And I do think that, you know, those people that are interested in it, but they probably wouldn't go out and stand somewhere and, oh I don't yeah. know I mean again New, New South Wales is apparently trying to organise a live site but it will be a dry dry site so we're not going to have a single person point that. popping champagne or having a beer or my mum arrives from the UK for six weeks that morning so it's be like there'll be a little live site in our <laughs> living room so <laughs> as I wake her up at two o'clock jumping around the living room <laughs> with I've got to say my, my head says USA my heart says Australia but 
the one thing that I've got having I read the, the what they released this morning on the FIFA site when you look at the the number of seats that the US have, have said that they expect to sell you know it, it's nearly double I say it's five I think it's 5.6 million seats compared with 3.2 Mm. Uh, from Australia and, and and around three from it from all the other bids, you know, yeah. and, and I just think that money talks where FIFA's concerned. They do think. like money, but I mean the other thing as well we've got to remember is Brazil, 2014, England, 2018, almost certainly With the safe bid. Then the oh, exciting bid. Dear, I, I don't think England certainly 2018. Well, I mean it's going to be a European one anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah so it'll be Europe. I think I think it'll be Russia. Brazil. Brazil's going to be a money spinner because of the time zones. It's going to get the American time zone. And it also might be quite a drain on the infrastructure side of it, as South Africa was, because Brazil is nowhere near ready. Yeah. But it, uh, Do you think, though, that if England got 2018, that's a better decision for us? Well, I think I, I don't think it really matters that much, because there's going to be a lot of... They're way? going to get a lot of money in from uh, 2018. One way or another, there's going to be a lot of money comes in from that. They can afford to take that little bit of a gamble in 2022. Yeah. Uh, they don't like have to do with South Africa. Yeah, they don't have to go for the cash in USA, which again does just push it slightly mm. in our favour. And I think also okay. Ben Buckley and the team are really pushing the fact that this, in 10 years' time, this this region, Asia Pacific, will be a, a much larger market. Yeah. Yeah. Well, two weeks, we'll find out. Um, <sighs> no, you know, we, we can't overestimate the, uh, the importance of that to the game here. Uh, Ada, you, you touched on the hamburger you met in this week. Do you want to give, just give us an, an update on this, on this event that happened at Star City, this Dutch event, which uh, I think um, Edwin Lutz was at, uh, Hamburger was at, Craig Foster was at. Is it Star City? What, yeah. what was it all in aid of? It's it brilliant. It's brilliant. It's great when you get people who are amongst friends uh, who can talk a little bit more freely than, say, at a press conference. And I uh, got myself in there, took some photos, and uh, listened to what they said and recorded the whole thing. And they came up with some really interesting things. So uh, basically it was an organisation called Dutchlink who bring together... It's a uh, networking organisation, so they had speakers who were Dutch. It was Hamburger, Edwin Lucht, and uh, Fozzie turned up. So... They talked about the Dutch influence in, on, in Australia and Dutch football generally. And Hans spoke about uh, various issues and how he was just absolutely stunned at the level of coaching when he arrived here and how it's changing. I do like Hamburg. I, I like He's I great. He's straight talking, yeah. not afraid. I mean, he not gave afraid to ruffle a few feathers. No, no. Like. And this 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 format was great because it, I think they felt very much at home. I mean, it was a Dutch people talking with Dutch people. There's a lot of Dutch. It was just it was it was an interesting thing to be at. And uh, and Han spoke about the gave us this great line about driver's licenses. It was just so so hilarious. <laughs> uh, it was great that he said you only needed a driver's license to coach an A League team when I first arrived here. Now he's talking about Ange and Arnie having pro licences and how the level has changed. I think there's a B licence you do here as well, which has gone to a different level. The C, B and A. Yeah. And, you know, how... I'll have to do my B next year. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, that's... I mean, two years ago, you know, that's great. I think that... I mean, that was that was the main thing that he spoke about was the level of coaching, that he was shocked when he arrived, but it's obviously changing. He was also pessimistic about the bid, he, uh, he was pessimistic about if we didn't get it, about the future, whereas Edwin Lush was a little bit more upbeat. But, of course, Edwin is part of the A-League. Yeah. Um, 
Edwin also spoke um, about how he felt that stadiums were just way too big in this country. And, he, and he's done studies on this around the world. And he even told me about Spain, how he'd studied the, the size of stadiums to crowds. And then he looked at Australia and he was, realized that it was out of whack. It was askew. Yeah. Way too big, generally. I mean, not all of them. For the crowds that we're getting. Mm. Uh, and a whole lot of other things. You spoke about Ronaldinho, who had been offered a one three, game. Three million. It was reported as two million. He corrected it to be three million. And uh, his representatives uh, approached Sydney FC. He confirmed that on the night, um, but they rejected it out of hand. Three million for one game. He said, that's <laughs> virtually my salary cap done. So it was great. I mean, everything's online, so you can just read it all. Okay. Um, and the photos are online. But it was a very interesting night. Now, you know, was, I should thank the Dutch people for inviting me down. I'm pretty tight with the Dutch community after the World Cup. Yeah. Excellent. Well, a quick, just a quick couple of other things. Uh, Sydney looking at a Finnish striker uh, yesterday. Mm -hmm. Do you know anything about the guy? Such trailing tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, looks pretty tasty, actually. He yeah. uh, was the top goal scorer last season in Finland. I think. Um. <laughs> we did report this on the site. Juho Michaela. Mm. That's the one. Juho Michaela. Mm -hmm. So obviously the other striker that they were trialling. 16 goals in 18 appearances. Yeah. Champion side HJK Helsinki. So that's not bad. That's uh, so, I mean that's quality. That's serious quality. And Finland have produced a good, a few good attacking players in their time. I get all the scandals mixed up. Farcel, Yari Litmanen. Yeah. He was Finnish. Yeah. 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 Well, let's hope that he uh, he comes over and impresses, because uh, certainly Sydney FC need all the help they can get, and obviously with one eye on the on the, the Asian Champions League, which you'd probably say with every week of the A League that goes by, that becomes a priority in terms of you know like let's forget, let's start building towards having a a good Asian Champions League campaign. Yeah, yeah. Although Edwin did say that that he did, he he didn't believe that he felt that it was still very much the focus on the A League. That's what he told me because I did ask him about that. Yeah. Um, but also, I mean, what, what does this mean for the, the visa players at Sydney FC? Does this mean it's, if they sign you, uh, the Finnish player, where, do, where does Stefan Keller fit into that? I mean, is that, is that, are they over the limit? I can't. I don't know. Well, uh, McFlynn's no. Australian there, so yeah. he, he would have he'd probably freed one up. Heroes. Bruno, Keller. Yeah. Hero. Yeah. Hero, yeah. And, and Hero, I think, has been a terrific. Ter ter yeah, they had five, um, aren't they? Five visa players, is it? Yeah. Yeah. But they've got Bjorn as well. So that's probably the four. Keller, Bruno, Bjorn, Hero. Okay, for everyone watching, Kev's counting on his... <laughs> watching, listening. <laughs> it's counting on his fingers. It's not great it's, radio. <laughs> it's early yeah. in the um, right. Yeah. So anyway, let's hope he performs. But where's the defender? Why are they going for another striker? True. But, they've uh, they've got, scored as many goals as they did this time last season when they were winning. It's all the goals are considering that's a problem. We're obviously going for uh, we'll just score one more than you, which yeah. could be interesting. Yep. Uh, anyway, that's all for section three. We'll be back in section four to preview this weekend's action, starting with tonight. Starting tonight's game, uh, Melbourne victory, Central Coast Mariners. So join us after the break. The new issue of 442 is on sale now, with Andres Iniesta and David Villa taking you behind the scenes at Barcelona. We talk schnitzels with new Socceroos coach Holger Osik and snails with Archie Thompson who tackles your questions. We look at which Aussie clubs have produced the most Socceroos, head to the first A-League Melbourne derby and speak to Chelsea supremo Carlo Ancelotti. Plus, there's a free pack of official Champions League trading cards for every reader thanks to Panini. Get it now. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider.
Hello, welcome back to the final part of this week's 442 Insider Podcast. We're going to preview round 15 of the A-League. Um, not sure whether this is round 15 or the tail end of round 14, but anyway, um, Melbourne Victory play at Amy Park tonight against the Mariners. Um, Mariners have always tended to have a good record, certainly at Etihad. Um, yeah. Gone there a few times and spoiled the party. Do we see them doing that tonight? I think Ernie's certainly conf- uh, concerned that they could do. Uh, he's saying that this game could be the, the decider for their title bid. Uh, if they lose, it's a lot could of pressure, be, isn't it? Yeah, uh, it's putting the pressure on early, to be honest. I mean, when they're 17, uh, 15 points behind Brisbane. Well, I mean, they've only so won yeah, what, four games. Wins. Four games is yeah, they've won. One's four, drawn five, lost six. I mean, that's a shocking record for Melbourne victory. And uh, they're playing a side that is really good on the road. I think Central Coast on the road. You wouldn't want to play them, no, would you? No, no. You just wouldn't want to play them, full stop. So. Against Perth, <coughs> you put, and Perth have hardly been in sparkling form, do, do we see the limitations of their three at the back? You know, in the, like the, particularly the Fowler third goal, where just a real simple arched run left him in acres because there was no left full-back covering across? Yeah, I mean, I think victory really are struggling in across the board this season mm. they've got injuries they've got new players coming in that just aren't doing the business recording is just not de- developed yet Angulo's never actually reached the potential that we'd hoped he would do Hernandez is a shadow of the, per- the, the player he was last season mm. uh, Cruz is injured at the moment so. Cruz is injured yeah. Archie's on the sidelines still coming back slowly Matthew but Kemp's surely still mm. back. Uh, you know it's a makeshift side uh, yeah. and it shows uh, mm. it shows in the results shows in the performance uh, there's only so much that uh, Musket's passion and fire can mm. can take them. I, th- I think Deganjic looked good when he came on. Yeah, um, he always and I think he. Does. I think I think there was a sameness about the squad. I think uh, that was a, go- a positive and a negative at the start of the season. Well, it was a stability, but th- you kind of knew what to get. Like if you're an opposition coach, you kind of know how they're going to play now, and you know the players. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of sameness to that I squad. I quite see Deganjic and Thompson. I think Deganjic yeah. is a little clever player. Might find the yeah. runs of Thompson, but. Um, but yeah, I think Melbourne need Archie to uh, to get back up to full speed as quick as possible. Right, staying in Melbourne. Um, tomorrow night, Melbourne Heart play Adelaide. Uh, Adelaide, as we know, have got a god-awful record against the other Melbourne team. Uh, can, they, can they break their Melbourne hoodoo against the Heart? They're going to have the work cut out again. Um, but yeah, the, the Heart are looking good. You know, mm. It's all starting to come together slowly for Heart. Uh, I think they'll take the game to Adelaide. Adelaide are coming off the back of a couple of losses and uh, just need to put their season back together again to, to stay in contention. Uh, it's shaping up to be a very good game. Yeah, mm. I think I think, I think it, you can see it ending in a draw. Though. Well, at the moment there's there's eight points behind between Adelaide and the Heart, so this is a you know, this is a big game, you know, because this could turn it into either eleven points mm. or five points. Mm. So Hart will certainly, I would imagine, be going all out to to win this, and certainly yeah. with Adelaide. Um, in a bit of patchy form um, without Lecky, yeah. uh, maybe they'll see that's an opportunity. I, I think also Hart, they did lose to Raw, but I think they played generally played really well. And I think they're in a good, they're building, you're right, they're building just a nice head of steam, yeah. playing some good football, really attractive football. Yeah. The fans are just starting to build there. So, yeah, I fancy they could, they could get, get something out of this game. Right. Uh, Saturday night sees. Um, Newcastle Jets entertainment Wellington Phoenix uh, Phoenix obviously with a, with a great win on the road at Perth but uh, then brought crashing down to earth at home uh, are we going to see a reversal Wellington winning away and losing at home for the next few weeks or can the Jets build on last night 
I can actually see that happening, to be honest. Phoenix have a good record in New South Wales. Mm. Uh, mm. This will be third game in match of days for the Jets. And Phoenix. And Phoenix as mm. well, yeah. But uh, Jets don't have the depth of squad. I think that Phoenix probably do. So they'll be feeling the, the, the tiredness a little bit more. So, yeah, I can see Phoenix actually sneaking this one. Okay. Ida, you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I just I want to see Franny Jeffers play another game. You know, I'm really enjoying seeing him play. It's hard to pick this one, though. I'm, I'm yeah, should be a good crowd right. as well. Uh, Jets are throwing up in the, the gates free tickets uh, if you go through the website. Uh, is this the one that they're the, the, the 10,000 free tickets? Yep. Excellent. Okay, good. Uh, second game on Saturday is, uh, you wouldn't call it a local derby, but it's the Queensland derby. <laughs> you don't want to drive it too often. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Brisbane but don't be so sure. There's a few of them who do do a lot of driving up there. Brisbane Entertain, <laughs> it, it's hardly uh, it's well, not quite good it's not Dundee, Dundee United. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brisbane versus North Queensland Fury. On paper, you'd say home banker, Ado. Yeah, the way they're playing. The way that Fury are playing at the moment. Could even be a cricket score. Uh, <laughs> you never know. Matt Mackay, will he be fresh off the plane or will he After be... After his big two-minute yeah. test. Yeah, the, the exhausting schedule. No, I think he'll be fine. I think they're fit. I think they're really confident. I think they can take anyone in this league right now and I think they'll probably take them on Saturday night. Yeah. And a great crowd should be in for that one, I would imagine. I, I, I should I should imagine that in Brisbane right now, fans are starting to really... Yeah, they start, you start to feel like they're, they're, they're getting back on the map there. I think that, you know, last season we we documented very well, you know, how they sort of alienated a lot of fans with the ticket prices and, and that, you know, and the way that they were playing. Now you, sort of, you just get that feeling that they're building a little bit of momentum there again and, that, you know, mm-hmm. hopefully we could maybe see them back up to the crowds that they were getting... Two, three years ago. 17,000. Well, they had 30,000 yeah. against yeah. Sydney, didn't they? In the, yeah. in the finals game when Ronaldo scored and they knocked Sydney out. Mm. So let's hope that we could see, uh, yeah, and if they've got a home final or a home grand final, mm. wouldn't a great Suncourt be a, mm. a full Suncourt be a great way to end the season? It'll come Especially on the back of some news about Fury's community ownership model, which will be on the website Thursday as you listen to this. So check the website, our website for that news. Looking good for the future being secured. Well, Fantastic. Ho- hopefully. And finishing off the guys, Sydney uh, Sydney had two more games. Sydney FC versus Perth Glory, Paramount Stadium. Uh, moved to there, I think, because the pitch has been relayed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Quite a lot of that guy. So they do a better job. So they've all enough turf. Well, they managed to do it in one week at uh, Sydney compared to the seven weeks it took at Blue Tongue. They've only done half the pitch, though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, Perth on the road, Sydney FC. What do we make of this? <laughs> <laughs> Must win for Sydney FC, you've got to say. Yeah, but uh, I think it's not going to be the. It's probably going to be the ugliest game of football of the the week, possibly the season. I'm just not looking forward to this one at all. Um, it's, I, I think the interesting thing will be in the stands. The, the highlight will be the 130 <laughs> Perth lads over for That's their right. 10th anniversary Te- tour of duty. Yeah, um, a big weekend planned, um, and so 10 year anniversary of, of travelling the country in, in groups and big up to them. I think it's been a great effort. So we, we might do something on the side. That's sometime. another story that might be appearing later on the site because yes. I've forgotten to put it up. Oh yeah, that's, a, <laughs> that's why we're so tired this morning because we've been writing. A busy afternoon in four four two towers. Um, Central Coast Mariners home to Gold Coast United. Uh, that's also Sunday, so it's a big few days. That for will Mariners. be a cracking game, yeah. I think. 
Yeah. Absolutely correct. So Mariners playing Thursday and Sunday. Um, you'd probably say they, they, they should be able to cope with that. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, it's not it's not really a massive long-haul journey. It's not like they're going over to Perth or whatever. Mm. Uh, no, I think they'll cope with that quite easily. I think it's going to be a cracking game. Yeah, I think I think everyone should get out and see that game. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one midweek game next week before we, uh, we'll we be back on air next Thursday is uh, Phoenix Entertaining Heart at Westpac. Mm. And again, yeah, obviously, we don't know the context of that game yet after this weekend's results. Mm. But again, you'd say that that's going to be critical for Wellington to get their sort of you know, finals or push back on track. They're in seventh at the moment, so just outside, uh, 15 points. You know, and again, if Hart don't win this weekend and Phoenix do, then yeah, I think those sort of teams will be the ones battling it out for fourth, fifth, and sixth. Mm. That goes back to what we're saying before. You know, we can probably predict the top four, but five and six yeah. is wide open at the moment. There's this log jam in the middle and the bottom of the table. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's. Any games like this between these these two kind of teams critical for their uh, finals placing? Yeah. Okay. Right. Thanks, gents. Thanks for coming in. Obviously, Trevor is. Uh, if you're following him on Twitter, he, he landed in Madrid this morning uh, for his Cristiano Ronaldo loving. And if anyone's he, he couldn't find a game, so he was watching the Real Madrid basketball team. So I dared him to shout handball. Every <laughs> <time>. <laughs> handball. And they look really confused as to why they keep passing it to each other. But anyway, we, we hope that he's having a lovely time and I'm sure he'll be back next Thursday uh, to tell us all about it. But uh, anyway, thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week. Enjoy your football. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.